Welcome to the Great Council, where we use passionate discussion and intelligent debate to discuss the things you're not allowed to talk about at the dinner table. On December 22nd, 2018, uh, the par- par- the uh, United States government partially shut down. On January 12th, 2019, it became the longest shutdown in modern history. And now, as of recording, it is on the 29th, the 29th uh, day of the shutdown. This has affected many people. Luckily for the other person here, for Aspen, it hasn't really affected him too much, I imagine. Well, it, it concerns me in terms of, you know, global security. I mean, you know, not only with these last few years has the U.S. population been at each other's throats like the comment section on a, you know, <laughs> a leftist article. Uh, now you've got the federal government is in all totally disarray. You know, Putin must be having a hard on over there. Probably. But uh, to further... Uh uh, discuss this. Uh, a, f- uh, a friend of ours uh, who works with the government is going to join us. And so here's that interview. We're here with Carrie, uh, who is, well, I'll tell you what, Carrie, let you, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us who you are and uh, why you're here? Oh, hi. Good morning. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, my name is Carrie Pan. Uh, I got the name Carrie Pants back when I served in the Air Force with these guys. Um, in uh, at, tech, at technical training school, um, I failed the programming class a couple times, uh, and I uh, did something which was called washed out. And washed out is when you have to go uh, just perform administrative duties while you're waiting for the next class to come through. And so while I was waiting for the next class, it was my job to work in the uh, the main office of the barracks. And in the main office, my job would be to put up on a sign like what people required to wear for the uniform that day. And it would have things like carry umbrella, you know, wear dress blues, you know, uh, like wear boots. And then there was a plaque for the uniform of the day board called carry pants. It just had carry pants etched in this little plaque. and. Um, I thought thought it was funny because I couldn't imagine a scenario where everybody would be marching in formation to class, like carrying their pants and just wearing underwear. Um, So I thought it was so useful, I stole it. And then that became uh, my name when I had my office job in the service. So anyway, I'll be going by Carrie Carrie today. Uh, So how are you gentlemen doing? We're we're doing. I'm doing all right. Um, mostly all right. Okay. Okay. Is Aspen still here? Here, and you know, I'm happy to be where I'm at. <laughs> uh, which is not in the United States right now. Actually, exactly what I was referencing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations! Congratulations for uh, finding a different uh, choice of scenery for your government and political environment. It's beautiful up here. Not perfect, but beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so we we all served in the uh, in the in the military together a couple lifetimes ago. Uh, after I got out, you know, of the service, I just kind of put my resume out there, and um, you know, uh, just the job market 
drew me to the Washington, D.C. area. And so I've been working um, for the government either indirectly as a contractor or directly as a civil, um, you know, basically ever since 1999. So um, that kind of drew me to the D.C. area uh, where I currently live. Mm -hmm. And uh, how's that going for you right now? Um, well, I mean, I love my job. Like I have a family now, uh, you know, I got married, uh, you know, I, I, I currently work for the department of treasury and, uh, I really like what I do there. I mean, I've got, I've got a highly like specialized, like job skill that I get to use on a daily basis and I get to help serve the American people by doing that. Right. Okay. So, but, but, the, but there's been a, there's been a situation, uh, for the last 27 days now. Oh, 28 20, days. 28. Okay. Yeah. 28 days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're currently going through a government shutdown, which is something that unfortunately the last 10 years, uh, you know, we have little shutdowns like every year or so, um, you know, so unfortunately, just the way that the political situation is in D.C., it's gotten to the point that um, about once or twice every year on average, uh, you know, uh, the Senate and Congress can't agree on a budget. And then we usually have a period of a couple of days to a week where everything's just kind of thrown off kilter while we wait for them to, to, to decide on the budget. And they usually just pass like, a continuing resolution to kick the can down the road towards making any difficult decision. Um, but currently, yeah, there's been an impasse and yeah, we've been, um, without a budget for the last 28 days for the federal government. And, uh, you know, many of the federal workers, uh, are furloughed and some of the federal workers are, uh, continuing to work. Um, but they're working without pay, which is, uh, my situation. Mm -hmm. So you've been working without pay for 20, 28 days now. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And how many, will you be, uh, uh, so how many paychecks is that? And will you get back pay when the budget's resolved? Well, so let's see, we, I missed, um, one paycheck, I think two weeks ago, and then this weekend will be the second one. Um, and, yeah, they fortunately a couple days ago, the president signed a bill where we are guaranteed to get back pay. So that's that's a really big sigh of relief. That's one of the one of the main things that I was keeping an eye out for, you know, because it's fortunately my wife works and um, we had been saving up a little bit of money uh, anyways. And so we're we're able to get by, you know, right now. But you know, I'm, I'm hoping that it will end soon. I'm hoping the shutdown ends this week, but then again, it's kind of outside of my control. So just in case we've been going through the effort of canceling all, like all of our optional like expenses that we can't, like we're not eating out, we're canceling our, you know, streaming memberships, we're canceling our like audible and Hulu and uh, the newspaper. We don't have cable to begin with. Um, we're going to cancel my daughter's French tutor. We're going to cancel my son's instrument lessons. Um, we've called the mortgage company and the mortgage company is going to let us miss a few payments. We've called our car loan, um, 
like holder and the bank is going to let us miss a few car loan payments. Um, you know, fortunately we're getting a lot of support from the people that we owe money to. Um, but it still doesn't feel good to have to do all this preparing and to make all these phone calls. Mm-hmm. Have you seen, uh, did you see the thing from PayPal? No. What did PayPal say? They are offering pay to pay advance loans. Uh, I think it's like 25 million in pay advance loans to people who are uh, in your situation. Oh, that's really nice. Um, uh, yeah, that's good. They're doing that. They're doing their part. And also in the D.C. area, there have been uh, reports in the news of various uh, farmers markets and grocery stores you can go to. And if you're a federal employee, like they'll give you some free food. Um, so that's really good to know. That's that's not something that my wife and I need to take advantage of right now. So I haven't um, I, because I've been leaving those resources for the people that really need it. Mm-hmm. You know, fortunately, we're a two income household, but I can't imagine like if you were a single dad or if you're a young person that just moved to like the big city to get your first federal job and you might have a really low salary where like your rent might take up the majority of your paycheck. And there, I believe there are people that probably literally can't afford to buy food right now, you know? And so I'm glad that there's a support system for them. Mm -hmm. I saw that just the other day, I saw California defied the federal government and is offering unemployment benefits for federal workers in that state. I hadn't heard that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I was going to look up what it was uh, for Maryland, you know, because like, I think you can get unemployment benefits, but then you have to prove that you're looking for work. But that's a tough situation for the people that uh, are, are working 40 hours a week and not getting paid like me. Like, I don't think I can file for unemployment because I can't look for work because I still am working. I'm just not getting paid for it. So this whole situation has caused people to have to look a lot deeper into gray areas and and things that weren't established before because they didn't need to be established before. And I guess my main concern is that this doesn't get to the point where it becomes like So uh, we've, we had some technical difficulties. Uh, unfortunately, Carrie has to go really soon, but let's just go ahead and wrap that, uh, wrap that up. Carrie, what, uh, what else did you want to say? Yeah, I guess just to wrap up, um, I think, you know, the shutdown, the shutdown needs to end. I mean, this is not the way to do business. It's not the way to run the country. It's, it's not the way for our lawmakers to, to govern, to just allow the federal government to be closed. Um, I don't worry about the financial stability for me and my family. Like I think we'll be fine. Um, but I do stay up at night worrying about the long, the unforeseen long-term impacts of having all of these agencies not performing the way they need to for a month or longer if it continues to go on. And there's going to be so many, so much scientific research that is missed so much vital services for, you know, poor people or sick children. Um, there's just going to be a really big negative impact, even just from a financial aspect, the, the financial cost of the shutdown and the effect that it's going to have on our country's security in the future. It's, it's a terrible, terrible thing. And, it needs to end soon. Um, 
you know, so hopefully, hopefully it does. I mean, it's, it's just a couple people that are holding the process up for a single issue. Um, and that issue is paper tiger that they've built up, uh, that is not regardless of, regardless of your opinion on the wall, it's not worth closing down the entire government for, um, you know, so hopefully, just hopefully we get back to business and we can start repairing the damage that having all these agencies closed for so long has started to create. Yeah. Let's, let's hope that ha- that happens. All right, uh, Carrie, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, and we hope to have you on again sometime. It was my pleasure. I appreciate it. You all have a good day and I look forward to listening to the show. All right. You have fun. Okay. Bye. 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 All right. So unfortunately, Carrie had to leave. But what did you think about what he had to say, Aspen? I think he made a good point that, you know, he's been working there for, you know, uh, a while now, right? Two decades. Mm-hmm. And um, he he is fortunate. He's got he's in a home that, you know, the foreclosure process, the bank's going to be working with him and the foreclosure process is more slow than if he was in an apartment where he was paying rent and, you know, could be out on the street mm-hmm. for weeks. And then being a two-income home where they have some savings, I mean, he's really in a pretty good spot. I mean, obviously still some payments to make, but, you know, for people that aren't two-income homes, means people are trying to get by paycheck to paycheck, people who, you know, can be evicted out of their apartment, um, you know, this could be a really terrifying uh, situation for some people. And so I'm glad that he's in a better spot, but I, I really, uh, I really feel for the people that are, that are you know, don't have those, um, security buffers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was, I wanted to ask him and, and we kind of ran out of time. I wanted to ask him how many, if there's anybody who had just left, had quit at this point and decided not to continue on and to look for work elsewhere. I would certainly question, you know, I mean, the civil service jobs have, you know, just kind of notoriously been stable, kind of boring, you know, but you, you're, you're, you're confident that all else fails, you know, the government's going to be the last place that closes its doors. And here it is, you know, mm-hmm. these people are going without a check. It is kind of, uh, warps your, your perception of, of what's out there. You know I mean? These people aren't working for startup companies in Silicon Valley. This is the federal government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And though he did say that, uh, they will get back pay that doesn't help. Because, like, you know, he talked to his mortgage, to, to the bank. The bank's willing to work with them, but the bank's going to need money, too. I mean, maybe that's a bad example. But the people who have his car loan, they're going to need, I mean, assu- you know, if it's a local place, especially like in D.C., they can't do that all for a long time because they need to pay their bills. The right. pe- I, I saw a letter like that that was written for people that were on assisted living, like getting paychecks or getting payments to help with their rent. Mm-hmm. The um, the landlord wrote and said, "Look, you know, we're not getting our you know your subsidies from the government, so you're going to be required to pay the full rent because we have bills we have to pay. You know, we got to keep the water on, the power on, we got to make sure the trash gets picked up. Mm-hmm. So you have to pay." rent and these are people that are in that situation because they can't pay the full rent so you know 
um, obviously very different. And it's not, they're not even federal workers. They're people who the federal government helps, but is not helping anymore. Right. And it's because, and it's not because, you know, it's just, that's just the way it is. The reason they got that apartment was because they knew that they would be able to get help with it. And there's a lot of places that, you know, I, I listened to a report the other day on how the seizure of these funds was uh, affecting Indian country, where so much of, you know, uh, their budgets and their employment and, um, you know, the economy that they depend on is related to federal funding, you know, not in terms of handouts, but, you know, it's the way they put it. They said, look, we ceded, you know, all of this land and you promised to, you know, make these payments. Mm-hmm. And so, well, here it is. We can't foreclose on all this land, but we still need those payments. So, you know, right. Just, I wonder for the people, you know, and I probably, I don't know, you know, I mean, uh, you look at ice, I, like ice isn't getting paid. Right. So I wonder if it shakes any of their resolve, you know, but herring, it's not even like, we can really like, you know, they'll, they'll, he'll call it a crisis at the border or whatever, but like, does anybody really believe that? The people he's, he's talking does anybody to believe, believe it. that this is worth this. The people he's talking to believe it. My mom <laughs> I believes can't it. Even imagine it. Really? She thinks there's some kind of like invading army, huh? Yeah. I mean, there, he just today started talking about another caravan coming up from, well, he didn't specify where. I imagine uh, Honduras or something like that coming up through Mexico. At this point, he could tell them that it was coming up from Afghanistan, and they'd believe him because they're too. App. <laughs> there. Did you see the one? I don't know if you follow him or not, but he was referencing. He retreated or referenced an article uh, where some farmer from Texas was talking about how he was finding prayer rugs. I I didn't read the article, but that was what the uh, Trump had tweeted. I'm assuming he's uh, trying to trying to imply that it was uh, Muslims that are coming up uh, through the southern border because that's more of an issue apparently than you know. It's just is, it's just insane. It, I don't understand. I don't understand. When it's we, kind of a continue. Well, it's a continuation of the the anti-immigrant Islamophobia argument, right? Right. They could say, oh, 99 of the people could be fine, refugees, whatever, and people need help. And then that 1% is the guy that's going to take the dirty bomb to New York, right? So mm-hmm. don't let anybody in. Right. But that's – but uh, okay. So I had a guy, my manager actually, at work who knows that I do this and he knows that I am uh, – pretty strong uh, liberal or anti-Trump or whatever you want to you want to say right <laughs> so he asked me because he was a conservative and he wants the wall and he had, he wanted to know what I thought because he knew I you know and why and I told him it's ridiculous this wall and we're getting a little bit off slightly off topic here because we wanted to talk about the shutdown but the wall I think is integral to um the shutdown it's the justification for all the harm that's being done, right? Right. And I told him it, it's it's a, it's the kind of solution that a six year old would would come up with. This wall. If you just put a wall up, then nobody can get through. But most most of the illegal immigrants into America right now aren't coming up through the southern, you know, illegally through the southern border. They're coming into the U.S. legally, 
and they're overstaying their visas, right? The actual number of people coming in, in illegally through the southern border has been going down steadily for the past two decades, right about the past two decades. I think it's a little bit less, but still. Uh, what they are seeing, though, is the, the number of uh, families coming in and turning themselves in to in order to apply for asylum. That has been going up, but that's another thing that the wall isn't going to stop. And it's not illegal. And it's not illegal. So what we need to do, and we talked about this before, is stop. If we want to stop people coming into the U.S. illegally, which, sure, I'm, I'm all for that. A wall is not the way to do it. We need to get rid of the reason why people are coming here to begin with. Restabilize economies, help to provide for their citizens, protect citizens from organized crime, gang violence, the corporate exploitation, give them the capacity to make a meaningful life for themselves in their country. Right. That, and also stop the people who are hiring these people illegally uh, to begin with and make it so that if they make it easier to get in here legally. You know, how many times have you heard people, have I heard people talk about, well, my grandfather came into the U.S. as, a, as, an, as an immigrant, but he came in legally. And I want to tell them that, yeah, but legally at that time meant signing a name in the book and changing your name if it sounded too German. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, what, pay $5,000 or however much it is to... And, you know, be here for, for 10 years and get a lawyer and go through all that stuff. A lot of people, because, I mean, I lived in rural California, you know, and I saw people there that didn't have paperwork. And maybe they, you know, but because their family didn't have status, they didn't get paperwork. Or they were brought over when they were children and they've lived here their entire lives effectively. But, you know, work. Um, or maybe they crossed, you know, more recently. Who knows? Um, but it's not a glamorous life. You know, these people are turned on. Maybe they could get water turned on. You know, the type of employment that was available to them uh, was constantly exploitive and underpaid. And they were vulnerable, you know, both legally and their work. <clears throat> you know, there's a lot, I th I th like you said, about cracking down on employers who hire uh illegal immigrants, um, I would do a lot to protect people from exploitation and it might, re it would require they pay, you know, at least the minimum wage, which is less than it should be. Right. Um, and you know, that would threaten some people's, but it would also offer a fair bit of protection for the, the people who are migrant workers. There is a company here where I work or where I live, um, that I have worked for before. Uh, but they they hire uh, illegal immigrants all the time. Uh, they make at least they at least make the the guess the the gesture of trying to conform to the law. They make you have paperwork and all that other stuff. But it's like well known that there's been a, I know of a guy who had been who had worked there four different times. 
under four different names with four different social security numbers. And they just this past summer, uh, ICE came down and cracked down on them and grabbed like a hundred, I think it was 150 at the end, uh, workers from there. Uh, I don't know exactly what happened to them all, but I'm pretty sure that the company itself just got a slap on the wrist. Um, and had to rehire, a bu- or had to hire a bunch of new new employees. I think they got a fine, but I think it was a laughable fine for the amount of uh, for what was going on. And that was only a hundred and fifty. There are what giant farms and stuff that hire thousands of these people. These oh, people, and, and you bring up a good point. Mm. If you criminalize and punish the workers. Then the company is going to continue its practice. You could ignore the workers entirely and the company show that it has, you know, accurate and correct documentation. And if they don't provide it, punish them. And it would change the circumstance. Like, yeah, in Canada, you know, if if a company hires somebody illegally, that's a crime from the company. Mm -hmm. So, right. So that'll stop that. Or at least will slow it down significantly, even more than it already has slowed down, because it's not a crisis, people. It's a it's it's a made up thing because Trump had an idiotic idea that people, for some reason, seem to think was great. Well, it, it it racism and their economic insecurity, fears of other. You know, I mean, there there are currents in our society. You know, we're being played. Mm-hmm. That there was a period after that sentence. We're being played, ah. <laughs> and we're letting it, and we're letting it happen because it, you know, it feeds our fears or it justifies our fears. And that's that's. So, anyways, back to the shutdown. We have uh, the House under Pelosi. Well, actually, actually under Ryan, because this started before. This started before the changeover. Uh, so with the government, the Republican-controlled House and Congress, and rather Senate, they didn't pass this bill either. They didn't want the wall, right? Okay. Yeah. So they didn't, um, and they knew that, and they knew that if they didn't pass this wall uh, for a wall, that the Democrats definitely wouldn't, and yet they still didn't pass it. So. I don't, I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't know what to say anymore. Yeah. It's a lot easier not to govern than it is to govern, right? It's a lot easier to say no to somebody's proposal than it is to come up with a workable proposal yourself. And Republicans for at least the last 10 years, you know, we sometimes refer to them as the party of no, right? They don't have actual answers because they don't actually want to govern. Right. They want go capitalist anarchy where corporations and the wealthy can do whatever they want. Just please die and get out of their way so that they can go on with taking over the planet because, you know, at this point we're just a liability. (laughs) Right. I don't know. I don't, I, we talked to, to Carrie. He had to say what he had to say. One of the reasons I wanted to do this episode was to get, get the viewpoint from someone who actually, you know, and is involved and is directly affected by what's going on. Um, have you, um, 
Have you put out any kind of, of like a, an advertisement or a post asking for workers that may be affected that would like to share their views, their voices? Maybe we could do like, um, you know, if, even if like maybe in the Washington DC area, but anywhere really. And you could just say, you know, do you want your voice to be heard? And then it wouldn't even have to be an interview format. They could actually just do like a voice recording and send it in. And then you could edit in, um, you know, various people making their statements to the government or to the American people or whoever. I, that's a good idea. I will do that. And I will say now, if you are listening and you wanted to have your, and you work for the government and you want to have your voice heard, do that. Give us a, uh, you can call our voicemail line. The numbers at the, uh, at the end of the show, you can, uh, send me an email with, with a, a, a WAV file or MP3 attached. You can, uh, just contact me and we'll, we'll go ahead and do this interview style if you want, or we'll just have you on the show, whatever you want to do, give, let us know. We'll get you, we'll try to get your voice heard. And I think at that point, at that much, I think that's that's going to be the end of the episode because I'm just too frustrated to, to, to say much. It's it's That's it. I want to thank uh, Carrie for joining us. And Aspen, thank you for joining us. Council is, is uh, shut down. If you are interested in becoming a council member or want to leave a message, call the Stonefruit Media voicemail line at 234-262-0549. Email us at graycouncil at stonefruitmedia.net or find us online at wearethegrays.com. The Gray Council is produced by Stonefruit Media. The theme music, Finding the Balance, is by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com and licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.